Welcome to the Coming Home Well podcast, the show that educates, supports, and advocates for the veteran community. Your host, Dr. Tyler Piron, U.S. Army retired, will bring you exciting conversations with amazing guests about resources, research, and military history, all geared to helping our warriors to come home well. Here's your host, Dr. Tyler Piron. Welcome back to Coming Home Well. I'm your host, Dr. Tyler Piron. And today we are talking about boots to books. It's not just a phrase. This is an actual organization and they do some pretty awesome stuff. We have Peter Klein, who is the co-founder and the current president of Boots to Books. He was a former infantryman with the Army. So go Army. But I'm going to be finding out exactly how you go from infantry to books. As we know that in the infantry, there's this wide delta. Everyone thinks of them as like, oh, they couldn't get a real job. What I found is that most of our infantry friends are pretty darn smart. They want to go do army stuff. And so they join the infantry. I'm sure we're going to find that out with Peter. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I think that that intro was a perfect caveat to the rest of the show and my story of the stereotypical infantryman and kind of trying to break out of that and help some others do the same. I've always found that our infantry brothers, we they have a reputation. They're the dumb infantry. No, it's much different bell curve than you would think. I found that there's a lot of really smart, really athletic folks that join the infantry because it's, quote unquote, the real army. And they want to go out and do army stuff. And the infantry is like, that's all you're going to do, except for the millions of days on Red Cycle doing all sorts of details and all sorts of other things. But that's why you join is to go do army stuff as opposed to go be a cook and learn how to cook or whatever, not to just diss any other jobs or MOSs. But yeah, if you want to do army stuff, you go combat arms. So we have boots to books. Tell me about it. Definitely. Yeah. So Boots to Books comes out of my personal struggles in my transition, doing a lot of the things we now advise people not to do in their both job and education search. So the short and fast version of it is we help veterans and their families attain competitive education and employment opportunities. Nothing we will ever do or have ever done will or has cost a cent to anyone who's used it. It's always free. That's for both the companies that come hire veterans or military spouses from us and those that use our services. So what kind of services are we talking about? Definitely. Yeah. So they're structured in kind of multifaceted way. And that's a really overcomplication of what is soft skills, hard skills, and then bringing those together to get hired. So soft skills, what I mean by that is each month we'll have an event that'll range from either a career roundtable where we have people in 15 different like roles, share their industry share how they got that job, what their day-to-day looks like, what they hate and love about it, and if they're open to network and help somebody else land that same role. Another example is a recruiter roundtable where she'll screen share and walk through a resume, give tips on it, advice. And so the goal of those monthly soft skill events is really to make that translation from military to civilian and help with the job search and education aspect a little bit of just knowing how to do it. Then there's kind of the hard skill portion. What that is is higher education assistance, which can manifest into help with textbooks at the beginning of semesters when your benefits fall short. If you need help with your application, you need review or you need the fee covered and the school will waive it, we can help. And then also when students are looking at the GMAT, GRE, or LSAT test, we can cover their test preparation at no charge 
And so that's the higher education portion. The other side of that is professional certifications. So everything from Lean Six Sigma to CompTIA Cybersecurity to Agile Leader, Wall Street Prep Financial Modeling and Excel. So the goal of that soft skill portion is to help make that translation. The hard skill is to give you some hard backing on your resume of, I've completed my education in this. I've been certified by an accredited institution in this. Uh, and those two kind of aspects of the job hunt come together in an opportunity to get hired by a great company. And so periodically throughout the year, we have virtual hiring fairs. The last featured Amazon, Oracle, Accenture, and 14 other companies. We have Accenture, Adobe, Raytheon, some really great companies. And what those events are an in-the-browser event to where you log into this website, you create a profile for an advance, takes maybe 30 seconds, and you go in and it looks like you're in an actual virtual hiring fair or an actual hiring fair. So there's the lobby. You can go in and listen to keynotes throughout the day. You can go visit virtual booths for those companies I was mentioning, like Accenture. And at those booths throughout the day are recruiters, most of which are veterans or military spouses themselves. And they'll be ready to live chat with you throughout the day. And so you can literally go in and have a live conversation with the recruiter relevant to whatever role you're interested in at that company. And the attendance of this fair is limited to people in the military community. And so the goal is we've prepared you with, you can present yourself well, the corporate Lingo, you've got your resume and cover letter well. Maybe you've gotten a certification from us. You've gotten help in higher education. Then you get put in front of a recruiter and a really advantageous opportunity to get hired. Uh, And that is the full life cycle if someone were to follow all the way through. So that sounds like a great mix. So the soft skills, like how to write a resume or how to present yourself. I mean, I've been out of the military for a good while now, and I really always get confused or like, What do I say? And it also depends on the audience. If you work for the federal government, they want these very long, verbose resumes that detail like, oh, I used Microsoft Excel. Of course you did, because, you know, like that's what you have to do. But they expect it if it's not written down, you didn't do it. Whereas most civilian resumes assume you know how to use a word processor. So we have the education part. I think that's a great foot stomp. Because some of the things you guys talk about, like how to decide to get a major, like that's much more in the weeds than a lot of organizations go. How did you guys say, hey, this is a need that needs to be met? Definitely. Yeah. So I think kind of like I said, we're alluded to in the beginning is Boots the Books came a lot out of my personal struggles when I was getting out. And so leading up to my transition date. I competed in some competitions, uh, got some awards, all these things that kind of led to this fallacy in my head that when I got out, I would get any job I want, get into any school. I want. And so I did the things that we now tell people not to do, like blanket resumes. I didn't network towards my dream role. And that really kind of crippled my job hunt. And so the help I got from a friend, my now co-founder, Aubrey Sign, he would meet with me every week. We would look at roles. He'd be like, that's not something you actually want to do. He'd look at my resume and say, I have no idea what an NCLIC is, nor will a recruiter. He'd read my college application essays. He did all this amazing stuff for me. I mean, Bootsbooks was inspired off that really kind of personalized, accessible help he gave me. Um, So relating that back to just picking a major or looking at schools, the two really great things we can offer is one, clarity in the sense of backwards planning. That is something that was huge for me in the sense of what do you really want to do? How will this help you achieve it? Because if you're going, if you want to go work in financial services, for instance, and you're a history major, that isn't the best route to it. Now I'm working in financial services in a political science major. So to shot at myself a little bit, it's changed throughout the degree. But the goal is to help people backwards plan to what they really want to do. I mean, a lot of time it just takes asking that question, is this leading to what you want to do? So Um, that general studies degree may not as useful as, as you might think it might be. 
Like yeah. I need to check the box to get a college degree. That's the quickest, fastest, easiest. But if I want to go design computers, that would not probably be the way to do it. So getting that counsel and advice of these other fields may be better for you. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. And I think something else that's great is beyond just the Bootsbooks ecosystem, something that's great is there's so many resources and organizations willing to help. So we've been able to partner up with representatives at various schools around the country to refer you. And they're not biased. They're not going to try and sell you on their school, but they will tell you what the benefits will look like where to help you make a little more informed decision as well. But I agree. Yeah, people. some people get out and think their associates in general studies qualifies them to do things that demand, you know, MBAs. And I am not knocking the associates. Actually, I completed a lot of my GE for my bachelor's while I was in the military in a similar program. But if the end goal is to go compete for a career that demands higher education, that should be your focus of knocking out GEs, transferring to a more accredited school that's going to get you there. And getting all the credits you can and getting towards those goals, those are incredibly important. But knowing what that end goal and what that backwards planning looks like is so important. I've seen that with myself. I see that with a lot of people we hire. People think that, especially I know folks, I'm thinking back to my time in the military. Everybody that was getting out first, second enlistment, all thought they'd all be making six figures, uh, a high school diploma. But I have this thing that's going to make me all this money. And the reality is it's, it, there's a lot of competition out there and your military service counts for a lot, but it's not everything and being able to translate it. So how do you guys help do that? That I was an NCOIC of this and I did this and I deployed here and all the military stuff that is so important that we wear on our ribbon racks and translate that into like something that anybody cares about. Right. I mean, the first step, I think, is realizing that we've done some really incredible stuff. It, like the things you've accomplished in, in the public sector and the military are ridiculous in the private sector. As a private, you could be responsible for maintenance of $6 million of equipment and you got the job like three weeks ago. You know, so that the first step is really realizing there's something great. The second is if we're meeting with someone, the first thing we're going to do is give them kind of the basic guidelines. First, move away from the we perspective. Our whole careers, we're taught to think as a team, we're taught to think, my soldiers accomplished this, your NCOER is graded on what your soldiers accomplished to an extent. Uh, but on a resume, you're not selling that team anymore, you're selling yourself. Same with a cover letter, same with an interview. So you can't consistently think, and we have to kind of switch to me, which is a tough thing for a lot of people to do. Uh, and the second is just looking at a resume bullet uh, and that kind of minute of a detail. In that sense, if we're something like that, First, try to give someone a sort of framework to do it with, because some guidance can go a long way if you just let someone explore with it. So like the star, right? What situation were you in? What task did you take? Or yeah, what task did you take? No, what task did you have? What action did you take? What result did you achieve? But the guiding theme really is show the situation, show what you did and show quantifiably what you did. A lot of times that helps people, but a lot of times people will be like, I don't know how to quantify what I did. And at that point, it's like, okay, let's get on a Zoom and let's talk about it. It's like, okay, so right here, you made a new training program that helps people with this equipment. It's like, okay, well, like, how many newly certified people did you produce? Like, okay, if they're all now working in that armory, like how many hours did you save for your readiness when every single one of those weapons needs to be inspected? There's various things that they can look into if they dive a little deeper and just think from a different perspective. Um, but that's kind of a really minute part of the resume. Uh, but I think that's really it is 
people think it's a really foreign, crazy thing. You've accomplished great stuff. Just how can you make someone understand it and see the value of it? That's a really good point. When I write my own resume or I update my CV, it's very difficult to sometimes think of all the things I did and do it myself, but I can do it great for other people. And so you're looking at it externally and so you can look at it and that's a lot of value. But you guys just don't worry about just resumes. You guys do a lot of other things. I think the certifications are really important. Uh, a lot of folks think, oh, I have a college degree, I have a master's, et cetera. But more and more, these positions are becoming specialized and that require additional certifications. I see that in the cyber world every day. Well, you want certain certifications or any. It just depends on what the job is. So that I know you have a, a bit more on the ground understanding of as opposed to just theoretical and so how did you guys get started with the certification process? Definitely. Yeah. So when we were first, so I guess when we had first gotten our 501c3 status following March, 2020, one thing we're really happy with is we're a small lean organization. And so we're really adaptable to demand, which is great. And we were much more at the time because we were really trying to gauge where demand was still at the time as a new organization. And there were so many people separating from the service and looking at IT and cybersecurity, which is funny you mentioned kind of hyper importance that's being placed on certifications right now in cyber. And so we linked up with a couple of folks who are working in cyber to try and help veterans break in. We had a good platform and they had a good message. Let's combine the two and get it out to everyone. Then we realized more and more we were getting these people who may have even worked in the Army Cyber Command or had very relevant experience, but didn't have a very basic certification in cyber, like Net Plus or Sec Plus, which are from, I'm not a cyber specific person. Pretty basic stuff. Right. And they couldn't get a role because that was a hard requirement, regardless of how many years of experience you had. That's a hard requirement. And so we're like, okay, well, that's a barrier we could remove. The exam vouchers are a couple hundred dollars. The prep for it's another couple hundred. Like, that's something we could help with. And so we started looking into it, realizing it was more feasible and put on our first course for CompTIA uh, and Lean Six Sigma, I think in August of last year is when the first one was. I can't. I think August. But regardless, we realized there was that big demand. It was a pretty easy thing to fix. And you know, these people really want it. It's a monetary barrier in the way right now. So we could take on people in scholarship to do those. And that quickly expanded to project management. People are looking for people certified in that, in Agile, in Scrum. Uh, people wanted someone who's certified in financial modeling, who's done Excel work. Uh, and so all these various opportunities kept coming to us. Uh, and we still tell our volunteers, if you see some certification popping up again and again, bring it to our attention and we'll look into it. At least do some due diligence uh, because that's a really easy way to make an impact of giving someone, we're not the certifying authority boots to books. The Six Sigma Global Institute would be, for instance, but it's a really easy way to help someone's job search of saying, not only can you kind of translate your military to civilian experience and saying what you've done, but now on top of that, you've got a certification saying you're certified in this kind of private side leadership technique or project management technique, which I think has been really helpful. So you touched on employment a little bit. I was blown away by these big names that are showing up to your virtual hiring fairs. How in the world do people participate in that? Yeah, definitely. So from the employer side, it's pretty easy. If they reach out to info at bootsthenumber2books.com, it's free. Our goal is to remove the barrier from hiring veterans. We are funded by private grants. We don't charge employers to come hire. We want them to come be present and see this huge, amazing talent pool we have. So that's as easy as an email. We can talk from there. Setups, very quick and easy to get a booth going, even for a non-technical guy like myself. Uh, candidate side, 
if they go to boots2books, the number two, dot vfairs.com, or they just go to our website, it's on the homepage. Our website's boots2books.com. They can sign up for free. The event's completely free. And before the fair, so the fair is October 13th, October 7th, we're having another event. If they sign up, they'll get emailed all this info uh, with a career coach and a Google recruiter to go through their resume, go through hiring their best practices so that six days later, they can go in with that fresh knowledge ready to get hired. See, that Um, is the best part about this is the being prepped for it because you can find dozens and dozens of military recruiting fairs. I think it's that preceding step of this is what you need to do to know and how to participate. I think that's your special sauce. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely worked well. I'd say the candidates that we've had, because they're names that we just see repeatedly, that'll come to all the resume reviews that come to the Career Expo. And then we get reached out to by Career Expo speaker like, hey, this person's networking with me. I think it's great. Those are usually the people that'll come to the fairs and do great because they put the effort forth and gotten the backing. And But yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that is a way that we can really help people is it's not just a singular thing. It's a really holistic thing of, we want to help you with your soft skills. We want to help you get that hard backing. And we will kind of walk you into this situation to talk to a recruiter from there. It's on you, of course, but we'll do everything we can in the whole realm to get you there. So I do have a question. How in the world do you, we've talked about like how you go and participate, but who is eligible to participate with Boots to Books? Great question. Yeah. So any military Connected, so veteran, active, transitioning, and any dependent reservist, it's completely free. If like yeah, anyone who reaches out or gets certification will have to submit some uh, proof of service, but there's a variety of things that are acceptable, and we work with every single person to kind of get them through it based on what they have. And most everybody has something. Yeah. So is there any restrictions on eras? I know some organizations serve Vietnam era, some serve... Uh, the older generation with Korea and World War II, some just serve the global war on terror era. Is there any restrictions that you guys have? There are no restrictions. That's a great question. That's actually the first time I've gotten that. No restrictions. I would say the majority of the folks who have reached out are from the global war on terror, but we'd be delighted to be able to serve a Vietnam veteran too. It's 20 years of constant warfare. So I, I think that's probably your largest cohort. They're also the ones most likely to be working. So that that sort of tracks. Yeah, uh, but definitely there is a challenge, especially with the older folks that are trying. They've served for either they retired or they got out many years ago, but they're still not fully and gainfully employed. And so that's why I always ask, because sometimes people want to transition. They got out of the military. They went and were doing construction or something. And that's a real difficult job. But they've always wanted to do this other thing. And how do you transition after you transitioned? That's always the next step that's even harder, I guess, because you're not in the prime market of where folks are aiming to assist. And that's why I ask, what are some of the challenges that Boots to Books has faced? That's a good question. I think that a big one, I and mean, it's one that I think every nonprofit will face is kind of the fundraising dilemma. I mean, I had a really unique opportunity to consult for a bunch of other veteran and non-veteran nonprofits. And the way I describe it is, especially when you're first starting off and trying to raise money, when you get a 501c3, you need an impact to raise money. And you need money to make an impact. And so how are you like, what are you, you going to do? And Chicken so and egg going on here. Right. <laughs> and so obviously our 
solution to that was trying to find the lowest cost, highest impact programs we could, which looked like a lot of application review, paying those application fees, which weren't enormous per person, and really doing more intensive time-consuming work with each person. And it paid off because we, when the time came to get our 501c3, we got some generous donations from a couple foundations in the Bay Area. Um, but I'd say the fundraising one was definitely a battle, and it still is. We're still trying to grow and do new things, bring on more people and everything costs money. So that's been one. But I think we've now worked it out in the sense of like we had a golf fundraiser last year we're going to do annually. We've established some really good corporate relations and good relations with a couple of foundations that have just been amazing to us. And so I think it eases with time and it has, but that's one. Another one is people taking advantage of your services. And it's not a detriment of the veteran or the military spouse. It's just a f- the reality of us being a new organization because it's a big time commitment, especially if you're going to do a certification course that takes a lot of time and effort, especially if you're going to pass the test and get the certification. And so even, even an event, a one hour event we might have for people who've never heard of Boots to Bucks, it, they might not want to take advantage of it because they might not know exactly what it is or if it's the best use of their time, whatever it may be. That also is eased a little bit with time. That's one thing is just sometimes you'll put out something like, hey, I want to pay for you to get certified in whatever you want. Like literally something almost as crazy as that, right? And you won't see as many people take you up on it as seeing posts complaining about why they're so expensive recently. And you're like, okay, we're here to help. Just take advantage of it. That's, I think, stretches into a lot of realms of the transition is there's so much help available. People just kind of have to reach out and take advantage of it. But yeah, the fundraising and the, the outreach have definitely been a little bit of battles, but fun. I mean, it's definitely been a fun journey. I was listening to you and I was struck by the idea because I've seen this in a bunch of nonprofits. I see it in a bunch of different organizations where folks will sign up for something, but because it's free, they don't invest the time and effort to maximize the benefit that they're going to receive. So if it's a training course for a certification and you're paying for it or I'm paying, if the individual is paying for it, they're going to invest the time and effort to do well. Whereas, oh, it's free. Oh, I'm not going to put as much time and effort into it. They don't have as much skin in the game. Now, obviously, these things are very expensive. Some of the project management and some of the bigger cyber certifications can go into the thousands of dollars. But if somebody else is paying for it and there's no consequence, there's no, there's nothing. How much of that happens? Where people don't really do the thing that they signed up to do. Definitely. So I'd say, I guess for one, for our overarching idea, right? Like I kind of the thing with Aubrey, right? The help he gave me, one of the big kind of pillars of why it helps so much is the accessibility of it. So something we never want to lose is our accessibility in the sense of like, I never am going to say like, we want a five page essay with your application because that's just going to deter so many people who wonder if it's it's even worth it to waste the time. However, when we first started our certification, the process to get it was way simpler. There was really a short application, like a minute one. We tried to do as many people as possible and the completion rate of that kind of allowance for doubtful accounts, however, whatever you want to kind of call it in this sense was, was lower. Um, And we didn't have somebody periodically reaching out to people to support them and to remind them that we were there to help if there was a hiccup. And so it was a lot lower. I'd say maybe 15% of people stopped doing their courses, which was bad. And that was the first course we took, which was a small group. So the sample size also isn't huge. But we realized that pretty quickly too, that we have to find a balance between the accessibility and the fact that it's 
completely free and it might not be valued by certain people. We think we found that happy medium now to where there is an application and a process to where you share what your goals are, you share what you're trying to do and where you are in your transition. And if it's a certification that makes sense for you, you said you can complete it before we have another application. If you can't, you might as well just apply to the next one, let someone who wants it now take it. If it leads into those goals, if it works with that, if you can complete it in time, you'll be considered. And so the goal is to kind of keep the application small or not too time consuming and stay accessible, but also make sure it's given to the right people. And I think we're getting better at that. And also we have a volunteer, Erica Anderson, who's just absolutely amazing and who's been doing the outreach now to all the students. We have 30 active students right now and everything from CompTIA to Lean Six Sigma. So she's been great checking in with them every month and just making sure they're making progress. That additional touch points makes all the difference. Absolutely. So we've talked about a lot of things, but I was trying to think of what else I needed to ask you. And you guys are out in California. Do you guys provide services across the country or is it primarily out in the West Coast? What's your population? I know it's all military, but sometimes it's geographically limited. Definitely. Yeah. So we're open to anywhere. Funny enough, even though my co-founder and I are in San Francisco and LA respectively, the majority of the people that reach out to us are on the East Coast, which I think is funny. We there's been no particularly targeted marketing campaign there or anything. It just happened naturally, but it's open to people from anywhere. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. So we've talked about the services. We talked, oh, I know what I needed to ask you. How in the world did you get it started? So you mentioned it a little bit about with your co-founder and your challenges, but I think that'd be really illustrative for the folks to hear sort of like your path and sort of like where that got you to Boots to Books. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I can just give a little, just kind of my story is that, okay, yeah, definitely. So I grew up in, in California. I graduated high school and went straight into the Army as an infantryman. Well, in the Army, I had really good leaders and I attribute a lot of my success to them. They let me get promoted quickly and ultimately pushed me to compete in some competitions. The last one was the Fort Benning Non-Commissioned Officer of the Year. I think I am still the fastest winner of all time. I'm not sure though. I may have, I may have lost that by now. Keep an eye on it just in case. But I win these competitions I had been doing my education while I was in the service, keeping a great GPA. And so I knew that I, that I was going to get out after that contract and continue my degree. But as my transition was approaching, I was still competing in all those competitions. So the time I had was a lot more limited. And I wasn't kind of like I said, I was sending blanket resumes. I really wasn't doing the job search right, doing the transition right. And so I got help from Aubrey during my transition. And he was a Chapman student. He's since graduated. He worked at a startup in San Francisco. But he was kind of swaying me to come to Chapman, helping me with my application, helping me with my resume. And eventually when I got out, I had come home now and it's December. I'm now finally out of the army. I had gotten an academic scholarship to Chapman. I'm saving my benefits. I was having success with my resume, actually hearing back from companies like, this is insane. This is a 180. And we were talking and talking. We were really excited about all this great stuff. We were going to be students together for a semester again. It was great, but kind of quickly, like the elation faded. We realized that having a really bright friend like that, who's willing to talk to you every single week and give a lot of his time to help you isn't very common. Not a friend with that kind of knowledge. And so pretty quickly, we realized something had to be done. And so we looked into starting a 501c3. I looked into it kind of obsessively and looked at a lot of the other ones in the industry too, of the market research of if it already exists, can we just support it? Can we do a fundraiser for it? Uh, and what we realized is while there's really amazing nonprofits out there, some of the great ones I've seen like service to school, that's the industry. They do things in a specific in a specific realm. So like service to school is just fantastic for higher education. 
But outside of that, somebody's going to have to go find another organization and try to kind of piece things together. Our goal is to just give you everything you need to get that competitive education and employment. We have partner organizations, of course, that we definitely refer people to. The goal is to kind of give them that, that mecca, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But yeah, so that when I got out, I obsessively looked into that. Eventually, I got an EIN kind of did the forming of the legal entity in the state of California, the application for a nonprofit form 1023 with the IRS got approved. For, so that's December. All of our applications are in. We got accepted into like a nonprofit incubator program almost. So our executives got to do one of their kind of like their fundraising coaching and a bunch of their other compliance and trainings they had. Um, it let us start fundraising right when we were founded, which was nice. We were a fiscally sponsored project under another 501c3. And so that continued till March, which was great. And that whole time, December to March, we were really focused on the higher education portion. It hadn't shifted to employment just yet. Then March, when we got our 501c3 status, I had been writing letters to the editor and doing like whatever guerrilla marketing I really could to just get the word out. And one of them got published in the Marin IJ. Uh, it was read by someone who wanted to sit down and have a coffee. We had a coffee and he was actually representing a grant-making institution and wanted to learn more. And so that was fantastic and was a connection to a lot of other people in the Bay Area. And so when we got our 501c3, they made a couple of really great donations, but we realized our end goal wasn't employment. It wasn't to stop there. It was to go do everything, help them land that eventual role, not do everything, but to help them land that eventual role. And so from there, our programs really evolved into looking for who can help support these monthly events. And now it's grown to really, there's a community of people to where it's, if we need recruiters, a career coach, an interview prep person, somebody to just talk about what it's like working in whatever role, there's a big community of people willing to come on. And so it's really us facilitating the events and the information flow, but it's been great. You know, you mentioned something and this ties in about networking, about how to find that right job, that right role, that next thing that is sort of like the culmination of what you really want as opposed to shotgun blast. But it applies a lot to what you're talking about here, about how you got started. How do you help folks do that networking? Because that it's so important for a 501c3. It's one of those things for first-generation college students that don't know how to apply, what they're looking for when you're applying for like grad school, like what does that letter look like? Uh, you know, I remember all these things trying to figure out, like, you know, if you don't come from a family that has done these things, you don't have those resources. So you had your friend, your co-founder, which is, I'm sure, a great story how you guys know each other. I'm going to ask about that next. But in the meanwhile, networking, how do you guys do that? I know you have a number of different pathways. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean... For I guess for people listening, the one thing to realize is that networking is going to seem weird at first and there's just no avoiding it because the military was weird at first. And this is just going from one weird thing to another. I guess is one way to look at it. But the way we help is one first realization that there's a lot of people willing to help. Pretty much anyone who served in the same branch as you, hopefully, if they see your LinkedIn message or respond, at least anybody in the Boots Books Network will. And so the first thing, obviously, is the backwards plan. Anytime we meet with somebody, the first thing we need to know is what they want to do. Because if we don't, it makes no sense introducing somebody who wants to be a recruiter to a guy who codes at Google. And he's probably not going to have much help. And so figuring out their goals is one. And then from there, we have events, right? So that's one easy way to do it if they don't want to get too personal and just want to maybe show up, camera off, and just watch for a couple. The events are an easy way to do it. They're really conversational. And people drop their LinkedIn's in the chat, drop what they're willing to network about. And so that's really the easiest way. Past that, when people reach out to us, 
Uh, we've periodically connected them with people in their dream roles. So I've had a lot of folks recently that want to be recruiters. And one recruiter, Heather Klein at Client Solutions Architect, was nice enough to meet with a couple of them and share her journey and network. She's awesome. That's an example. But so that's one way too, is just that direct introduction of like, hey, it's someone we're connected with a recruiter. Like, hey, Jake, this is blah, blah, blah. He's an army veteran. He's looking to do this. This is his experience. He's looking to meet some more people in the industry. Would you be willing to give him 10 minutes? And then, hey, blah, 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 this is just making that super simple introduction removes the barrier and people feel way more comfortable. And then obviously the hiring fairs, it kind of falls in the event category, but that's a lot less of one where you can just sit and hang out. That's a lot more of the chat rooms are going and you got to get in there and talk to a company. Where you're not sitting in stressing like a formal interview and you're very, and that's often the difference that folks are like, oh, I freeze up when I do an interview, but I can have a talk with somebody and just learn about what they're doing. And all of a sudden I'm just chatty catty, chatty Kathy. I think that's the phrase anyway. So I did want to ask, how did you and your co-founder meet? I mean, he sounds like a wonderful guy that just showed you this whole new world. And how'd you meet? Yeah, definitely. So he's, I think I met him in fifth grade, maybe playing basketball, went to different schools, but lived in the same town. I met him probably in fifth grade playing sports. We were both athletes from a young age, but met some point in that and were friends from then all throughout high school. And when I went to go join the army, he went to Chapman University and we stayed in really close contact. I was, he was doing all these internships at all these semiconductor places and all these crazy things. That was great to hear about. Uh, we stayed in touch. And then when the time came for me to get out of the army, he had a little bias to bring me to Chapman because that's where he was. I think one more semester, but it was great. I mean, he was really a great help, but it's, yeah, it's been a really long friendship. So that is sort of fortuitous. I was just curious because not a lot of times people don't have that person they can lean on. And that's often like one of the biggest challenges is how do you find that tribe of folks that are looking for the same things you are? And so I was curious about your story. I've asked you a lot about Boots to Books. You guys are doing awesome stuff. Folks, if you are interested at all in doing a transition and you're getting out, somebody who's got it, they're not exactly where they want to be. I was listening to the radio. I listen when I drive because our kids are all over the place. And so I've always got the radio on. And there's 7 million underemployed people. They're sitting at home that could be working and they're not counted in the unemployment roles. And the veteran community, unfortunately, has a, a significant percentage of those. People get out and they're not unemployed because they're not getting unemployment. They're not counted. They're sitting at home trying to figure out what to do with their life. There's a lot of folks like Boots to Books that will help you to go find that ideal role and get you all the things that you need with their Guidance towards a degree, certifications, networking, hiring events, all the parts and pieces. Go check them out. It's bootstobooks.com. I've asked you a lot of questions. What should I have asked you about but didn't? It's a good question. There's a lot of folks that seem to get frustrated or lose kind of hope in their hiring process. Uh, and it seems to happen at the worst time, right, when things may be turning their way or when they might actually be learning about how this process works and getting their odds a little bit better of getting hired. And the only advice for that is just don't. I mean, there's so much opportunity out there. That's I know that's like, oh, wow, great advice. <laughs> but it, I mean, there is so much opportunity out there and the people that get frustrated or lose their cool or think that it's hopeless, then it is. If you think that's the way it's going to be, it will be. But if you don't and you continue to reach out to the resources, uh, 
It's really not. I mean, I was frustrated my transition. I definitely had my bumps and bruises along the way of having 100 resumes not responded to, but it happens and it works out eventually. It's not worth <laughs> going through the mental peril of giving up. But yeah, that's the end of the somber note. But I've seen a couple of folks getting upset lately and it's... It sounds more hopeful. Hey, look, folks, there are millions and millions. I think last I heard, there's 11 million jobs that are unfilled. They're looking to hire somebody who shows up on time, knows how to dress in the appropriate uniform of the day and do the right thing, which is like 90% of being in the military. I always uh, joked with my soldiers that if you show up on time in the right uniform with a good attitude, that's about 90% of the requirements. You'll you'll make it to E5 for sure. (laughs) For sure. So, I mean, that's that's, we think it's pretty tough, but it's not. It's just a different type of requirements. They're not written down and you're not getting monthly counselings on how to do the thing that you're trying to do. And so Boots to Books is there to help sort of fill that gap, provide that monthly counseling. I To use the analogy, like we do with the lower enlisted folks, you know, that monthly, hey, you're on the right track. You need to fix this. Adjust your resume this way. Get this certification, whatever it is that you need to achieve your goals. We've been talking with Peter Klein. He's the co-founder and president of Boots to Books. It's a fantastic organization. Go check them out. If you're looking for certifications, if you're trying to figure out how to get your resume right, how to focus in, break into an industry, reach out to them. That's exactly what they're there for. Peter, I leave you with the last word, but I want to say thank you for joining us at Coming Home Well. Well, thank you guys so much. And anything we can do to support a member of the military community, we'll try to do. Go to boots2books.com. And thank you so much for coming home well for having me on. Thanks for joining us this week on Coming Home Well with Dr. Tyler Pieron. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. Follow us on Instagram at cominghomewell underscore BTS or on Twitter at cominghomewell. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well, this is Coming Home Well. Coming home well.